at the Magic Hour with Michael McCallum. I'm your host, Michael McCallum. This is an internet broadcasting podcast brought to you by the Michigan Business Network and my company, Rebel Pictures. We are in an undisclosed location with my guest, Eric Shaleko. He's an editor, writer, videographer, and photographer. And we were talking previously in the last segment about kind of what drew you into the different categories of creativity that you're into. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are some moments that you saw in other movies that made you want to kind of pursue post or that storytelling element? Oh man, I'm trying to think. Like what was a movie that, or movies that really affected you when you were younger and maybe still do? Yeah. So I think one of the first movies that like I really got into because I mean I I would watch like a ton of movies and TV shows as a kid but like the one that like really grabbed my attention was Inception when that first Mm. came out yeah because that was came out in 2010 oh my god that movie's 10 years old yeah oh my I was 15 when that movie came out oh man I'm getting I'm getting old you're just you're giving like heart attacks to everybody that's older than you like shut the fuck up you're still in your 20s just go change your diaper Shaleko Go pop the pimples on your face. <laughs> but yeah, no. And then you're COVID crying again. Yeah. <laughs> you that, get a test done again? Meanwhile, yeah. that nurse is like repeatedly still jabbing me in that like nerve. You got a test done. Leave me alone. Uh, it's not emotional issues. Quit looking at I'm just sweating for my tear ducts. <laughs> uh, which is actually how I would describe that whole emotion, that whole ordeal. But I digress. Yeah. So, so Inception. Yeah. Inception was really that first movie that made me go... Like, holy shit, there's like more, there's way more here than just, you know, just funny, funny words and cartoon animals. Even though I like still super respect animation. If I was, if I was, had way more patience, I would love to go into animation. So you just went from Hanna-Barbera to... Hanna-Barbera to Christopher (laughs) Nolan. Actually, in between there was also a great TV series. It's it's been getting the rounds against it's back on Netflix, but it's Avatar The Last Airbender. Still... To this day, favorite TV show, story, anything. But in terms of editing, everything with Inception's sort of style of editing, which is still pretty fairly conventional, but just the way they're still telling a few different like strands of stories across time is phenomenal. And also, that was the first movie that really got me into like thinking a lot more about movies. So the other one too was Memento, which is again still phenomenal movie, another Christopher Nolan classic. But yeah. It also kind of came together at that time where, you know, I was, like I said, I was 15. I was a sophomore or freshman or sophomore in high school. And I was lucky enough that school district I was in, they had a a timeshare program. So basically you go to like your home high school for half the day. Then you go to like a vocational center for the other half. And the vocational center was half dedicated to like engineering and robotics. Because, you know, it's in the metro Detroit area. Everything's about automotive and manufacturing. Sure. But the other half was dedicated to like, like art and like media production. And we had a, a filmmaking course. Like you could take, like almost like a college course, you could take like a few years just getting better at video production and making movies and stuff. And that's sort of where I got a chance to like try out like, okay, do I like being on the camera? Do I like, do I like sound? Do I like writing? Do I like directing? And yeah, no, just something with, something with editing, man, just clicked. Yeah, it was just sort of, you know, making all sorts of like goofy short films with my friends and then just having like way more footage than I ever need for anything because we would always overshoot because we were, you know, we were still learning and doing stuff. Sure. Yeah, but it was like, it was just being able to see all these different strands and like ways that story could go down. And uh, 
yeah, just having the opportunity to sort of like, again, sort of like weave it all together. It's pretty cool. I think that's a big, for any young filmmakers starting out, and I shouldn't, it doesn't really matter age-wise, you could be older and starting. Sure. I think learning to be having some kind of learning economy when you're filming is really important because when I look back on one short film of mine in particular called under the covers, I just, I shot way too much footage for it. Oh yeah. You know, I shot way too much and I had like, okay, this is a scene in a bedroom. So I had two cameras set up and then I had, but I didn't use any of this one angle at all that when I sat down to edit it myself, that was the thing that went, you can't go through this again. You cannot go through this again. And not just, well, breaking the story down and knowing what you're going to do and having that all figured out. I think that's part of it, but also too, even if you have the story really structured and thought out and pre-planned, not doing so many takes either. Like, why are you doing so many takes? What are you changing about it? Yeah, I think one of like the like key pieces of advice I got from from one of my teachers was just like, you don't need to do like sixty five takes of someone like putting like a cup down on a table because like there's only there's only so many ways you can emote simple things like that. Yeah, and that's another thing I learned, especially whenever I would whenever ever shoot like doc or promo stuff, is like. You know, have it go in with go in with the shot list. Like, know know what you're gonna want when you go in there. Just because, like, I mean, you could shoot like hours upon hours and hours of footage for like a 10 minute delivery, and you don't need you know 90 percent of that. So just you know, focus on getting a few really high quality shots and just some high quality segments, and it saves yourself so much time, so much headache, so much money. Yeah, it just makes things so much easier. Yeah, I think um, you know, that's a big mistake that a lot of people do. I mean, you hear about Kubrick or or uh, yeah, David except- Fincher doing like ridiculous amount of takes, and I really enjoy both of those filmmakers' work. I mean, their body of work is incredible. Yeah, but that's not for me as a filmmaker. Is like you know, I've been on a lot of things too that they spend so many times with the the keys falling in the the ashtray or the the holder over and over and over and over and over again. Like, what is it not doing that you need it to do? Fincher's the same way. It's like, you know, they shot like 60 plus times where the bar of soap for the promo of Fight Club would go and there was too many suds on it, not enough, this and that. I mean, some of them you could obviously look at and say, yeah, that one doesn't work because we can't read the title. That one doesn't work because it has no suds on it. Yeah. But I'm sure there's many of those. If you look at them back to back, you were perfectly fine. You would really be, you know, like, why didn't that work? And I think learning forcibly that sense of economy, because you don't have all the time to do those things. And so many times, like, you know, how many times you're going to get the guy getting out of his car, walking to the door? Yeah. How many times do you need to get him, you know, especially the objects of like putting the key into the keyhole or turning the doorknob, the close-up of turning the door. Like how yeah, many different cutaway, yeah. how many different times do you yeah. need to get that? And it's even like, even though I guess one of like my biggest piece of advice is for like younger filmmakers is like, get over your ego. Like it's, and I don't mean that in like a bad way. Like it's good to know what you want, but at the same time, like I feel like some people will hear like these facts, like actually talking about Kubrick, like the shot from The Shining where, oh my God, I'm blanking on that actress's name. 
who plays Shelly Shelly Duvall. Yeah, Shelly Duvall. Where Shelly Duvall is like going up the stairs, where she's uh, swinging the bat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like Kubrick made her do that. Like, God, like 150 times, something like that. I heard it was like enough. She went up that enough times to go up the entirety of the Empire State Building. Oh like, wow! Like, and she was like exhausted by the end of it. And it's like you might have needed like five, maybe six takes of that. You didn't. It's and so for like. And yeah, when you're Kubrick, you can obviously make that call because you're you're Stanley Kubrick, and you have that you have and you a have more huge than budget studio too. like Warner Brothers behind you. Yeah, that and I think his thing, from what I've heard, is you know he wanted to push her to a certain place, you know, and that's tough for me as an actor as well because I think like not criticizing, but it's like if you need to push and pull so much with somebody, then. They might not be the right person. Yeah. Um, and it's also like, I feel like you can you can just work with an actor to get them in that headspace. And Nicholson, he didn't yeah. have that relationship with him. Yeah. There was a, a confrontational thing between he and Shelley Duvall that he pushed her a lot. He criticized her a lot in front of people, which, you know. It, That's not great. Yeah. And, but Nicholson, he didn't have an issue or any of the other actors on it. So, you know, I don't know. I just think like, you know. A lot of the times as independents, you don't have that as as even a possibility to do. Yeah. So so that's where I wonder, too, with like all the COVID stuff is how that's going to affect things for people moving forward, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, I think this might be an area where like people like us have a bit of an advantage because we're used to shooting with little to no budget in one location with not a ton of time. So it's one of those Especially where, for the competition. Yeah, stuff, which yeah. I, yeah, which we'll probably talk about later, but it's like... Yeah, you know, just have yourself a small crew, small cast that, you know, everyone's quarantined. They've all, they all don't have COVID and just, you have to shoot something very, you have to, you have to shoot a lot and not a lot of time. So you just have to be very selective about the things you want to do. And I feel like most of that just comes down to like just really, really solid pre-production. Yeah. It's like solid pre-production will save pretty much any project you're on. And I wonder how that's going to affect like... Uh storytelling between actors when you know they can't be really physical or yeah they were talking about no love scenes on like the soap operas and stuff like that yeah Yeah, it's like like, yeah it's hard to do like a kissing scene when they're when they have to be six feet apart welcome to celibate city (laughs) or it's like welcome (laughs) to welcome to your long distance skype session yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) just everybody's a voyeur Um, or everyone's just trying to like kiss the webcam on their laptops yep just just the the image is all smudged and foggy um on that note we're going to take a quick break we're going to be back with eric shaleko talking more about movies covid and anything under the sun this is the magic hour with michael mccallum michigan business network rebel pictures no escape 